When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Reniker, Zach Kopp, Justin Charles, and Josh All. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Dogs. If you'd like to get your intro on the show, head to thedogspodcast.com, tap leave voicemail on the drop down menu. I want to remind you all to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you're watching on YouTube, please remember to like and subscribe. Make sure you tap the notification bell so you never miss a new episode. If you prefer to just listen to your podcast, you can also find us on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Lastly, if you're itching for some more content, become an official Dog Pack member at jointhedogs.com. Check out our Patreon page. You get early access to the episodes. Uh, So instead of two episodes every week, you get three episodes because we do a special Dogs After Hours episode on there. Um, We have Fantasy Leagues, Game Day Threads. Um, it's basically turned into just an online Browns backers community. Join the dogs.com, become an official dog pack member. We're very excited to have Barry Shuck from dogsbynature.com all the way up from Florida just to come to the studio. I think he came just for this. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> but no, we're really excited to have Barry. If you guys have been listening, you guys know that he's been a friend of the show for a while now. And uh, we're really excited to have you in the studio today. Well, thank you for having me. It's very gracious for y'all to invite me here. And I didn't come for the show. I came for the snow. I heard it snows up here. It does sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. But you don't want to be here for that, trust no. me. Oh. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you to Zach for uh, kind of wallering out this seat. This, this, this cushion's real comfy. <laughs> He's been putting on weight the last 10 years oh, just no. for this night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, you know, we got a big game uh, this week. Um, I don't want to call it a must win, but it kind of feels like that heading into this game against the Steelers. Um, we now know that Baker's going to start. We know that Chubb's going to play. We're pretty healthy with the exception of Hunt. Um, so, we're just going to die right into this these are going to be barry's keys to victory for our game against the steelers on sunday so what, what do you think some of the keys are well you know the browns are a running team the browns are number one in the league in rushing um they average they have the most yardage total yardage in rushing they average 5.3 yards a carry they also are number one in categories like uh plays running plays of 20 yards or more they have nine of those, and it's, it's number one, so you know they're going to run. However, Pittsburgh's got a, a solution for that. They're the number five rushing defense. So we're going to see a, a pound the ball consistently, but Steelers have got horses up front uh, with their defensive front, and their linebackers are, are speedy. So that's, that's going to be kind of a war of attrition right there. 
Yeah, for everybody who sees me like jumping around and stuff, it's just because I forgot to plug my headphones in. Uh, <laughs> so bear with me. That's where but, you get all those texts from. Yeah. Um, no, I completely agree. I think we saw teams this year have success against the Steelers on the ground. I know they beat Buffalo week one, but coming out of the half, uh, Buffalo started to run the ball against them, and that's not even really know what they're known for. And then we saw uh, against Seattle a couple weeks ago, second half, Alex Collins kind of ran all over them in the second half. TJ Watt ended up taking over that game, so they won that one too but i think running especially with a hurt baker we gotta i mean the run's kind of important to our team anyways but i feel like this week it's got even more importance on it yeah absolutely and and the passing game with the browns is is just suspect you look at uh the top 75 top 100 in receivers we don't have any we have uh david njoku number 83 so our top receiver is a tight end our second is obj our third is Kareem Hunt. Those those are uh, Kareem Hunt's like 123rd receiver. So we've got all these receivers. I don't understand, and maybe you can enlighten me, I don't understand why we're not using a DPJ more. And where has Rashad Higgins been? I agree with that. I did see for Sunday, DPJ is not even going to play. They already ruled him out for groin. Bummer. So that's another guy that's banged up. But Higgins is crazy. Like, for a guy yeah. that's almost like Baker's comfort zone receiver. All last year. All last year. He was always that guy that was, like, third down. He was, like, he was always the one. He was always the one for the first down, the safe, you know, safe receiver. I don't know what's going I on. I mean, he was the one who stepped up last year. Yeah. You know, OBJ went down and. Key third downs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, at, at dogsbynature.com, we sent him out for sandwiches, and he never came back. <laughs> <laughs> My, my, I think the entire downfield passing game this year has left a ton to be desired. True that. We actually talked about this on the last episode. Like I, I think I'm the one who brought up that David Njoku is our leading receiver, and he mm-hmm. doesn't even have 300 yards. Right. So what, we're at, he, our number one receiving threat's averaging less than 50 yards a game. That that's not going to get it done. And I understand that we're a run first approach. But at the same, you still. This is a modern day NFL. We got to be able to throw the ball downfield. Some. Um, I think it was the Ravens, like two years ago, were the number one rushing team in the league. But Lamar still led the league in touchdown passes. Absolutely. And you look at OBJ. He doesn't have three hundred yards, no. and he has zero touchdowns. Yeah, that's crazy. that's very concerning. I, I don't know what they're going to have to do to to find a receiver. And we haven't been using our tight ends hardly ever. Um, Austin Hooper. They're paying him. Eight million this year, and how many receptions does he have? Every time I see him, he's blocking. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I mean, I don't think it helps either. Like our receiver core has been super banged up. Jarvis was out for a lot of games. Mm-hmm. OBJ missed two games. So, I mean, it'd be nice if we could get healthy. Both of those guys healthy. Jarvis looked good, you know, from what I saw. But he yeah, was definitely. Tough. It was definitely nice having him back. Absolutely. Uh, there was a difference on the offense with Jarvis out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the young guys really haven't stepped up. Uh, Schwartz looks like if you hit him too hard, he's going to break. He, or Although, even come close to hitting him. Even come close to yep. hitting him. Uh, but he leads the Browns in yards per catch at a little over 21 yards per catch. So he's at least doing that. But I expected to see him more on some jet sweeps, um, some uh, little uh, receiver screens out in the flats where they'd have somebody blocking for him. And even that, I minus one, three-yard gain, he's just not doing that. He's got top-end speed. I know we ran an end-around for him against Denver, 
and it looked like it was wide open, mm-hmm. and he and he got tackled from behind right. almost. And I was, and for I thought minus. this guy was, I thought this guy was supposed to be fast. Yeah, in my opinion, <laughs> he looks kind of lost. He, I, I'm not giving up on him for his career. Obviously, he's yeah. a third round rookie, um, and we knew he was going to be kind of a project. But to me, he just seems like it, he's not ready. It, to this year isn't the year that we're going to get what we need to get out of him. Yeah, I think any receiver though, I think you can come in. Um, running back, I think you can come in tight end and play right away. But wide receiver, offensive line, quarterback, that needs seasoning. That's the, mm-hmm. There's a lot more plays, and the defenses disguise themselves mm-hmm. better and more in the NFL. And there's more guys, and the speed is, is greater there. So, but um, And just like Demetric Felton, he hasn't played wide receiver much either. He did a lot in, in preseason. But I've only seen him six, seven times at the wide receiver position. I cover the Senior Bowl every year, and that's all he was at the Senior Bowl, mm-hmm. was with the wide receiver group. I didn't even know he was a running back. He had a, a running back's number, but he was with the wide receiver group. And then when he was drafted, I said, why did they draft another receiver? So he's not getting touches. By the way, I think he's like number two in the league in punt returns average, Felton. So, you know, he's not breaking anything. But he, he's every time he touches the ball in a punt return, though, it seems like he makes the first guy miss. True. And, and gets some kind of positive return for us. I, I was surprised he wasn't more involved in the game plan against Denver with Chubb and Hunt both being out. I was really surprised about that. Um, I'd like to get him more touches. I think now that Jarvis is back and we have Odell's back, uh, playing, I think you're going to see even less of some of these guys. Yeah, and DPJ last year at punt return – just, it was just something about him. He looked stiff, and I, I, I just thought he was going to fumble at any minute. No. So it's good to have a guy that had college experience at punt returning and that can take the ball in and have some sizable gains. Number two in the league, can't complain with that. He's not a Josh Cribbs. No, nobody is, though. <laughs> not, not many people. So obviously the first key of the game, like Barry said, was running the ball. You got another key? I do. I think, I think the – the storyline for the game, though, is going to be if the the Steelers cannot run the ball. They're 31st in the league in rushing. Uh, Najee Harris is a stud. He's an absolute stud. I'd love to have him on our team. But they can't run the ball, so they're going to have to pass the ball. So if they're going to pass the ball, you either have to defend it or you have to collapse the pocket. You yep. agree with me? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, we've, we've talked about it, too. I mean, I feel like every rushing yard that Najee's gotten this year, he's gotten it. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? He's, nothing's opening up for him. That offensive line is well. They got just three bad. three new starters this year. Yeah, young. Yeah, young, yeah, young rookie guys. or young guys. Yeah, and all the season guys. Well, one's on the Ravens. Yep, the guy that starts with the V that was in the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pouncey retired, um, so they can't run the ball. So they're going to have to throw it. We got a good defensive line. We've got some yeah. good pass rushers. So we're going to have to collapse that box. Uh, so. I think that's going to be the storyline of the game. They are 25th in passing, and we're 22nd against the pass. That's that's borderline right there. If we can hold them yep. and get them out. Of, but um, I, I think another key of the game is, is on our third downs. We're, we're horrible at <laughs> third yeah. downs yep. on offense. Yep. Why, why can't we convert a third down? I, I've been screaming this. You should have been up here instead of Zach all year. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been screaming that about our defense and about our offense all season. Yeah. Um, our third down efficiency on both sides of the ball has been bad, which is crazy because I feel like last year, at least offensively, 
we were pretty good on third down and in the red zone. And both of those have gone backwards this year. Um, I forgot to mention this in the last episode, but I think one of the keys to the game for the Browns defensively is going to be tackling. They don't throw deep. Everything's within, you know, three to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Don't let Deontay Johnson turn a three-yard catch into a 40-yard gain. I think keep everything in front of you, come up and make a tackle, make them go 12, 13 plays. I don't think they can do that consistently all game. Johnson's 28th in the league in passing offense. You know who our leading tackler is? J.O.K. Yep. 128th in the league in tackling. So we don't have that Joe Schubert type top five tackler that you know. Yeah, Schubert missed a lot of tackles, but he made a lot of tackles too. Mm-hmm. So we just don't have this, this tackling machine in it, and it's hit or miss. Malcolm Smith will have a good game at tackling. Uh, last week it was Mac Wilson had a great first half in tackling uh, on defense, but we just don't have that stud, stud guy uh although anthony walker seems to want to be uh but he's you know back in coverage quite a bit now what i guess we're we're going to get into like what you think of this season so far so i'll save my question for that um (laughs) any other keys you think we need to focus on for this game what do you think offensively we need to do uh run the ball okay uh i i would like to see them use the tight ends more in the passing game but we're going to run we're just going to run it down their throats and we're going to run it a lot uh, now that DeGeneres Johnson has said, hey, you know, I'm tired of sitting on the bench, um, they've got opportunities there. Hey, he's not a good pass receiver, but you can see he can run. Mm-hmm. You know, Chubb is Chubb. I, w- mm-hmm. I would never get rid of Chubb. I'd let my daughters date his sons and grandsons. <laughs> you know, he, they can all be part of the family. What um, <laughs> Do you think the full playbook's available, or do you think they're going to scale it back and try to play safe with Baker, knowing that he's got – you know, the injury. Well, I don't know what the doctors have, have said, but I think they're going to put him on a short leash. And I even think Stefanski is going to look at it as first half, second half, kind of like Nick Saban did in the NFC, uh, uh, the national championship with with Tua. And uh, Hurts. Hurts. And Hurts, yep. where, the, where Hurts struggled up into it, and he threw Tua in. I, th- I think that's going to be the first half. I think he'll give him a half and, because they're good at making halftime adjustments, I think. And the second half, if, if Casey Keenum can do better, because you can see he can move the ball and he can he, – I won't say that he's going to win the game, but he's going to manage the game. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to lose the game for you. Right, exactly. It, no turnovers. You know, that, that's mm-hmm. new. And last year, you know, Baker didn't have a whole lot of turnovers. First half he did. But then he quit throwing the ball away. But all these fumbles, where did that come from? I think he's holding the ball a long time. I I think think the line is beat up. It's beat up. And I feel like that injury, too. Like, I I, I, watching him play, it's like he's got in the back of his mind that if I get hit here, that could be it. Like, he knows that injury's right there on the cusp. I'll say this, though. We we keep talking about the line being beat up and stuff, but I saw the Browns are the number one team in pressure rate and pass protection win percentage. So. It's not on the line. Mm-hmm. I think he's holding the ball way too long. He's not trusting his eyes, and I think he's holding onto the ball, double clutching, and he has the slowest. I think I read this was a, a couple of weeks ago. He has the slowest time to get rid of the ball in the league, and that's a league with uh, Justin Fields yes. in it too. So yeah, yeah. I don't know what you guys think, and then anybody watching right now, just drop it in the chat. You know, kind of chime in here. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Baker should play this game, or should he sit another one out and just continue to get healthy, let Case come in, and just from start to finish, manage this game and let the run game kind of do what we did against Denver. Let me ask you this. Does he need surgery on his shoulder? Yes. 
if he ever wants it to be 100%. I have a torn labrum in my hip right now. Okay. And I've had it for a couple of years, and it's never going to be better unless I get surgery. So it's not in my shoulder, but I understand, like, the pain and it's mm-hmm. the discomfort. And if I ever, if I want it to be fixed, I have to get surgery. So but you're Baker, not running to or from anything. From Big Ben. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm just living with it. If he ever wants it to be 100% healthy, surgery is the only option. If he had surgery, would he be out till the playoffs or for the year? Out for the year. For I'm the pretty year. sure that's what I read. Yeah. So we've got Andrew Jackson says, sit out and get healthy. Will DeGoat says he should play his football. He can get hurt any, any player, anytime. I, I agree with Will DeGoat. Like, if the, here's the thing is you have medical staff, you have team doctors. Right. If they're clearing him to play, mm-hmm. I obviously, and I, I don't know this, I'm not, I don't work with the team or anything like that, but I guarantee you Baker said, hey, he's going to go out there whether he can play or not. I feel like he's just like that kind of guy. I guarantee the Thursday night game, he didn't want to sit out. No. That was probably a, hey, you're, you're not going to play. You're going to rest up. I would love for Baker to go out and just have a phenomenal game. I, want, I need that game. But the second half of the Cardinals game, he was just pedestrian. Oh, he got hurt bad. in the first half. And they said, well, is he going to stay? Keenum even got up and was starting to warm up, yep. right? Yep. yep. That's when they should have put Keenum in and put, taken Baker out. Because what he did is he went to it and said, no, I don't want to go to bed. Right. They, and then they forced him back in there and yeah. said, hey, no, hold on. We're going to take a look at this. Exactly. So, <clears throat> you know, they, they do have doctors and the doctors know best. But I think it's going to be a short leash this game. And I think every game is going to be a short leash. I think – I know everybody kind of looks at Baker with, like, rosy, glossy eyes because he's our quarterback. But I think a big part of him wanting to play is if he sits this game and we go beat the Steelers. Yeah. And then we, he comes back and we lose to the Bengals. Or it's his every game we win without him, his value is dropping. Yeah, but put some respect on that guy's name, man. Like the last time he played that team that we're playing Sunday, uh, it was in the playoffs and we won. I'd say the last two times he's played that team has been. I agree. But what I'm saying is every game we win without Baker in a contract year. Trust me, I completely agree with you. He's losing value and he's not an idiot. He knows that. Yeah. His money is going down every game we win without him. Why would we pay him big money? If career journeyman Case Keenum can win games with us. So, of course, he wants to be on the field. Exactly. Exactly. I would like to think Baker wouldn't put the team in a bad position just because he's trying to get paid. I don't think he's that kind of player. Um, so, I think if he's out there, I do think if he's going to play, we, we can't use – if he comes out and doesn't play well, the injury cannot be an excuse. If he's in there, he's got to be held to the standard yep. of he's playing, he's got to play well. I'm pretty sure he can live off of those progressive commercials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think so, too. And Hulu. Yeah. And yeah, Hulu. right. Okay. So, I, go ahead, Blake. Go ahead. Uh, no, what were you going to say? I got one uh, key point I think that is going to be a big factor or could be a big factor for Sunday. So Denzel Ward's going to be out. So Greedy Williams is going to be another step-up kind of game. Is Greedy is, is – he's is, showed is out a, this year, Is though. that a minus? Yeah, I right. don't know. No, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a minus, but I, mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be a big point of the game. I mean – our secondary can be suspect, I think depending you, on the game that you go to, I guess. You I, know? Mean, I, I feel like still, like if you're going to attack a corner, you're going to attack Newsom. True. From Pittsburgh's side. I mean, yep. over, over Greedy. I'm not saying you wouldn't go Greedy's way, right. but I'm just saying if you're going to pick one to pick on, it's probably going to be Greg Newsom because Greedy's played well this year. Like yeah, you said, Barry. It's been I nice mean, to step in. If, yeah. if you took all the safeties and all the cornerbacks and say who is playing the best, it'd either be Troy Hill or Greedy Williams. You'd have to pick one of those two. Yep. Yeah. That's fair. Which is good for Greedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good for Greedy because people were really 
starting to bail on him. Yeah, we kind of dogged on him too in the preseason a little bit. Well, before the preseason, I guess. I won't say we we weren't dogging on him. We were just like, it's you got to play or you got to go. Yeah, get healthy, like, please. Like, at some point, yeah. we you needed to play, and good for him. He's come in. He's played really well, and he learned how to tackle. Yeah. Yes, yes. <clears throat> he's been a, actually a very good tackler for us mm-hmm. this year. Um, I think this is a game for the Browns as an organization where like we have to win. This is. We're at a, we're kind of at a turning point in this season where we can go to five and three and go into that Bengals game next week with a chance to like tie up the division or only be one game out, mm-hmm. or we can lose this game, go to five hundred, and then we got to go play the leading division Bengals next week. And it's one of those things where we should beat the Steelers this week. We're at home. We're pretty much healthy now. The Steelers are known around the league as not being that good this year. They're two of their three wins are against very bad football teams. If you've watched any Pittsburgh Steelers game for any amount of time, you know they're not a good team this year. Correct. Yeah, so a horrible offensive line. It's yeah. so <laughs> horrible. It's bad, yeah. So yeah. there is there's there's essentially no excuse to not win this football game. This is in my eyes, we have to win this football game. Well, we have had other games, the Chargers, the Chiefs that we should have won, and because of things, if if the hammer doesn't drop a, a, a ball, yeah. Um, doesn't fumble. The Chargers, does anybody think that that the Browns just – I don't think the Chargers won that game. I think the Browns lost it. 100%. So there's there's two wins. So anything is possible against the Steelers, uh, no matter – I mean, we had a 22-10 to lead on the Chiefs. Yep. So what kind of team is this? What kind Uh of defense is this? Well, and you see what the Chiefs have not been able to do since then. So it's like, what was wrong with our defense? Mm Mm-hmm. No, teams are shutting them down. Yeah. All I heard after week one when I complained about the defense was how it's I was, the Chiefs. It's I was the being Chiefs. too critical. It's yeah. the Chiefs, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Statistically speaking, they're still one of the highest like scoring offenses in the league or whatever. But when they're playing good teams, they're not – I mean, it's not just moving the ball on air like it was against us. They're That's having fair. to work for it. That's fair. Awesome. Any more keys? None that I can think of. Okay, so we will move on. Those were Barry's keys to victory with a little bit of us sprinkled in here. So now we want to move into uh, some general takeaways, Barry's general takeaways from the first seven games of the season. Before we get into that, I forgot to mention we have a special guest in the studio today. Producer Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. (laughs) I don't know. He's got a headset on. You got a mic on? No, he doesn't have a mic on this time, but it's good to see Kyle in here today. He steps in and helps us out when we have big things going on. I think he's going to be in here with us again on Monday because Josh is going to be out of town. I will not be here. So it's good to have PK in the house. That's right. So anyways, general takeaways from the first seven games of the season. What, what's your what's your take on the Browns right now? I think the defense has just played suspect. I thought we were going to go into the season, what well, we did with nine new starters, and we thought, oh, this is going to be a great defense. Our, our linebacker situation has improved. Our, our safeties are solved. Delpit, Harrison, uh, we've completely solved that. And then when we grafted Newsom, you know, Ward on one side, Newsom or Greedy on the other side. And, and, and the fact that Joe Woods plays a lot of four two five, So there's going to be five defenders, defensive backs. Well, three of them can be linebackers. I mean, three of them could be safety, excuse me. So if we got all these healthy safeties, but the defensive backfield has just been atrocious this year. Uh, Grant Delpit, he can't tackle his grandma. <laughs> uh, there's been two games the Charger has won where all you have to do is do a head bob to him and he'll take it 10 out of 10 times uh, unless he's just straight on he's had two games where he let a guy score from the five 
and I think he's a, a real big disappointment. Ronnie Harrison is is steady um, at, at times. John Johnson is is a roller coaster at times. I think our safeties is is our problem area, and ever since we traded Jabril Peppers, we've tried to solve that with new guys every year, and it so far it just hasn't happened. Well. I'm probably going to go where Blake was just thinking. I mean, is it the players' fault? Because I look at the players on the roster and the players on the field, and it's like, these are not untalented guys. Like, these are very good players that we have in that safety room. I think we're playing players out of position. I don't I don't think we're using utilizing them to their strengths at all. I think we have them playing out of position. Um also, I've, I've used this example before. Every player that comes and plays in Joe Wood's system regresses. Um, Andrews and Deho was a, we, and Kevin Johnson last year were players that we thought were going to be good, solid pickups for the defense. And Sandejo was the laughing stock of the league. And then he, go, he leaves, and he's playing for Indianapolis this year, and he's not the laughing stock of the league anymore. He's, he's starting. He's starting for a team that is starting to really pick it up. Mm-hmm. So... I just, to me, every, and then John Johnson was considered by pretty much everybody around the NFL, not just Browns people, was maybe the best free agent acquisition any team made this year. Defensive quarterback. Yep. And and he looks lost at times. Yeah. And Ronnie Harrison, in my opinion, he's been okay, but I expected him to be better this year. Delpit, like you said, is hit or miss. Um, I just, I don't like our, our philosophy. I don't like what we're trying to do because it's just not working. We blitz when we shouldn't blitz. Third and long, we ne- we never blitz. So quarterbacks have ten seconds to just sit and pick apart our soft zone. Um, well, you're playing cover three, which <laughs> allows empty spaces in the middle. You take like the Cardinals game. The Cardinals got down to the 17 yard line. I think it was second down. DeAndre Hopkins. We have to agree, maybe top three Absolutely. receiver in yep. the league. Absolutely. He he goes down. Denzel Ward has him. Denzel Ward lets him go deep. He never made a move. He just did a down and in towards the post. And he just went back there and stood yeah. <laughs> wide open. And and Kyler Murray found him and they showed that three times and 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 Hopkins just stood there like Where is everybody? And it was they, the weirdest catch. When, yeah, it was the weirdest catch. And when they panned out, you saw over in the left side of the defensive backfield. John Johnson standing there covering nobody. <laughs> so you, as a as a cornerback, you let your guy go to the deep box, and there's nobody there to pick him up. Yeah, I, I don't get. Where do you stand? Do you think we need to dial up more pressure? Because I, I know the full every defense in the league wants to be able to just get pressure with four. Ideally, in a perfect world, that's what you want to do. But if that's not happening, don't you think? you got to create some pressure. Yeah, if you look at our defensive front four, the the team leader is Miles um, Garrett. He's got 9.5 sacks. Jadavian Clowney's got 3.5 sacks. The rest of the team doesn't even have 3.5 sacks. Okay? Then you've got um, categories like pressures. Miles Garrett has 29 pressures, and Jadavian Clowney has 18 pressures. The rest of the team, the rest of the offense, all the subs, Tack McKinley, the, the, the defensive tackles, don't even come close to 18. Uh, hurries. Uh, Miles Garrett has 10 hurries. 
and um, Jadavian Clowney has eight. With those three categories, hurries, <laughs> pressures, sacks, I understand quarterback hits, but those three is the pressure that's being applied to the quarterback before he has to abandon the quarterback or throw the ball too early. We only have two guys that are doing that. The other two are just not putting pressure on the quarterback at all. So if if Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell, which Malik McDowell could make the Pro Bowl this year. I, I think on the defense, he's the only one playing on a Pro Bowl caliber to me. Uh, Miles Garrett could be on the outside looking in. But if you've only got two guys that are putting, and that's the bulk of your pass pressure, then you've got that forces you to send a fifth guy. So, and if you're not playing the four three, if you're playing five defensive backs, that means a safety or cornerback. And I, I think against the Steelers, you know they're going to throw because they can't run. You're going to have to send a fifth guy, and you're going to have to send them frequently on that. I agree too. And why would you not do it this game against a quarterback who honestly I might move better than him? And I don't move well. And you got hip problems. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got hip problems and yeah. knee problems and other problems. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't move well. And Big Ben looks slow. Mm-hmm. He just looks immobile. He, he, and his arm doesn't look like a cannon like he's always been. No, move him off of his spot and you got a great chance. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I think we need to manufacture some pressure because this, this getting pressure with four guys and then just – letting them sit back and pick us apart is not getting it done. It doesn't matter the down and distance. Third and 20, might as well be third and two. Right. It's crazy to me. Right. I, after every game, I do a column called Brownies and Frownies. I actually take two pages of notes. I write down certain statistics. Then my second page, I've got by quarter, and I make notes about what happened and what time it happened and what down and distance and who was involved in it. And the third down conversions for other teams, usually a brownie is good, a frownie is bad, and then I do what's called milk bones, and that's some good, some bad in the same game. But the third down conversions for other teams usually ends up in my frownies. The third mm-hmm. down conversions for our team usually ends up. i tell you another thing that ends up there is, do you realize we're fourth in the league in penalties? Yeah, that's bad. That's crazy. A lot of pre-snap penalties. A lot of pre-snap. A lot of PIs. Uh, so we had somebody question. Uh, you said McDowell would make the Pro Bowl over Miles, and he's at, he's questioning no, that. No, I didn't say over Miles. Okay. I said Malik McDowell is playing on a Pro Bowl level at this point. In, but I think Miles is on the out on the fringe looking into that Pro Bowl nod. Yeah. I mean, he's got 9.5 sacks. I see what you're saying, though. Just because he has 9.5 sacks doesn't mean he's playing that a Pro Bowl level the whole game. And there, there's some games he's lights out, and there's yeah. some games you never hear his name on the television. Okay. Yeah. So it's not instead of. I'm just saying if I was to pick somebody right now to make the Pro Bowl, you could pick one guy on the defense. It'd be Malik McDowell for me. You can't run against him. There have been teams like the Cardinals. The Cardinals just quit running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the third quarter, they just quit running. Yeah. But they couldn't get past Jackson and McDowell. And uh, he, I mean, he puts good, decent pass rush, but he is a a, a run stopping machine. And and honestly, Javian Clowney's the same thing. We didn't sign him to be a pass rusher. He's always been known for his run stoppage, and he's doing that as well. Did that clarify it? I think so. Just a lot of people in the chat saying that 
Miles leads the league in sacks, so they think he's a shoe in. But yeah. I see where you're coming. You you need more than just sack numbers from that guy. Yeah, and he's he is putting it there. He if he's got all the hurries, he's got all the pressures. Okay. But right now, if I was to pick one defensive guy, me personally, I would pick Malik McDowell to go to the Pro Bowl. Miles will probably make it. Maybe make Malik McDowell make it. Maybe Anthony Walker will make it. Uh, maybe we'll only get one. Okay. I, I do know this: the defense I think is a disappointment. I think it's inconsistent. Um, but I, I, I think I found a common denominator about why that is. You look at the games that we had the most problems was the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Cardinals. Okay, the against the the Vikings and the Bears, we we played lights out. We played pretty good against Denver, but against those three teams, the common denominator is an excellent quarterback. Yep. An excellent quarterback that has precision throwing and that can scramble and run good. Well, then you would have to throw the first half of the Texans game in there, too, because Tyrod Taylor was doing exactly that as well. Until he got hurt. Right. That's Mm -hmm. why the first half and then the second half, it was a different story. But Mm -hmm. we've said on the show, like if he plays that second half of that game. I don't know. We were not playing very well. I don't know that we win that. Yeah, I don't know. Andrew Jackson wants to know if the uh, common denominator is Joe Woods. Oh, that could be too. <laughs> that could be too. Uh, okay, so some more things in this first seven games. We've actually talked about this a lot, especially in the last couple of weeks. Where, how do you grade Baker so far this year? Uh, C minus. Okay, so based on that C minus season ends today, would you extend him? No, I th- I think what I would do is I would try to um, franchise him. And then and see what he does next year because he's had some good seasons and some good games. You take like last year, the first half until OBJ got hurt. I I question whether we should even keep him beyond last year. But the second half of the season, he was lights out. Once he quit throwing interceptions, he had a good season. He was um, now. I think a, a really good question is if you play fantasy, okay. Yep. Is he on your? Is he a starting quarterback in your league? If it's a two quarterback, yes. <laughs> okay, but let, mm, let, let's say it's a twelve. Yeah, let's say it's a ten or a twelve team league. Okay, and everybody has a starting quarterback. Of course, everybody's got a start a, a, a quarterback that starts mm-hmm. for somebody on Correct. their bench. Yep. As as you know, does he start for any team in your league? Single no. quarterback leagues, I think he's probably on the waiver wire in most of them. Yeah, yeah. or he's on At somebody's, least. or he's on somebody's bench. Correct, right? But he might be on the waiver wire. That's the kind of season he's having. So mm-hmm. the the thing I brought up on the uh, last episode, and then I even did some more research um, once the episodes came out because people were all over me on YouTube. I don't. I try not to read the comments because yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> actually, I read them all the time. Um, <laughs> but I, I started doing. I started pulling up some statistics of quarterbacks that I know. People don't hold in high regard around the league. Okay, Jimmy G, Jared Goff, Matty uh, Ice. I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't look him up. No, um, I think. I think he, Keenum, he's underrated though. Matty Ice, Case Keenum, Baker has almost identical career stats to these guys. Yeah, and those are guys that no Browns fan would want to bring in to be our quarterback. And they probably, you know, they probably dog on uh, Jared Goff. All the, I know he's not getting any love. And if you look at the similarities in the careers between Goff and Baker, I mean, they're almost identical. Yeah. As far as they they come in, um, they 
have a good season. I mean, Goff went all the way to a Super Bowl and the Rams still moved off of him. So I keep saying this on the show. The standard is not Baker needs to be better than the quarterbacks the Browns have had. He needs to be better than the other quarterbacks that are currently on contenders in the league right now. Yeah, and I think another plateau, another comparison is who could we have had instead Oh, don't do that game. <laughs> Barry, yeah. I'm telling you, brother, we don't got okay. time for that, man. All right. <laughs> I've, I've done that for the last 20 years. Well, it's even, bad. Even his, even his draft, we got two players that are lights out now. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a good barometer. Is, if, if, is he starting for any fantasy team? If he's not, then that, that shows what other other fans are feeling. No, I agree, too. And, and I guess my biggest thing, too, is I think um, – you know, people really get on me when I say Baker hasn't lived up to my expectations right now. If the Browns were to let him go for free right now and any team could p- pick him up, mm-hmm. maybe four or five teams give him a look. I talked about that with a guy today. And I, he was naming teams and I was going, he was like, Carolina. I'm like, I'm not sure Carolina does that. The, I, he just I, got Darnold. If I, if I came up with the four or five, I, I argued with somebody with this on YouTube. I said, yeah. Probably Carolina, maybe, because okay. at least could bring them in to compete. Yeah. The Texans would probably take them and t- sure. until Tyrod comes back. Yeah. Um, and then Saints. Uh, so I think the Saints would, I think they'd kick the tires. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I think, I think Denver. Maybe. Maybe. But there, there's, pro- of, there's what, 32 teams? 25 of them probably aren't looking at Baker. And that's my problem with them. Well, then what he needs to do is he needs to step up. And, of course, being injured is a different thing. It, it's hard to compete at a certain level when you have constant injuries. Uh, you know, Josh Gordon, uh, all those drug convictions, you know, he could have been a great, great player. I don't know a Hall of Fame career, but he could have been a great player. But he just kind of wasted his talent. Well, Baker, when you get hurt, you get hurt. And there's nothing you can do about that until you get healthy again and, and compete for that. Uh, but if they if they consider that that he can compete this game with the injury that he has or numb it, give him a shot, then we'll just see what he does. Apparently, the coaching test thinks that that's our best opportunity to win. Right. No, and and that's another thing too. I think some people on here have thought that I think we should go with Case over Baker. That's not no. what I'm saying. I think. Baker is athletically definitely an upgrade over Case Keenum. Better arm, better mobility. I just think what they put on the field, the gap isn't as big as what it should be. Yeah, Case can't throw it very far. No, no, he can't. My, my thing, too, is so we saw a, a different Baker last year in the second half of the season. Was We talked about it all offseason. After excited, OBJ went down. Yeah, we were so excited coming into this year because we're like, oh, look at what he was able to right. do as soon as he got more integrated into that system and, and they gelled better. And I mean, Baker was putting up touchdowns like crazy, yards. He, he took the interceptions way down to almost zero. I mean, it was right. what, two, two. Yeah. over those last however many games. and yeah. Baltimore and the Odell pick. And then this, yeah. And then this season starts and it's like, where where's the disconnect here? Plus, he had a full off season. Then I heard that him and uh, Stefanski hold up somewhere and watch film in their basement like forever. So so what's going on? Expectations yeah. were so high for Baker that I don't know if you, if you watched this episode or not. Josh's bull prediction for the year was that Baker throw for twelve thousand yards, <laughs> oh, eighty seven <laughs> touchdowns, oh, no. and win MVP. I think I said he'd go over four thousand yards and four what close to forty 4, touchdowns. Yeah. Mm. Just because of the pace he was on last year, I was like, 
if they come out and they're hitting it on the on the offensive side, passing yeah. like they were, sky's and, the limit. And if you look at his receivers on paper, that looked good. That looked like that matched and I think up. That's where we all got hung up too. Is we were like, oh, look at all the talent he's going to have to throw the ball to. And then the first couple games played out, we're like, maybe they're not <laughs> that yeah. good. I made well, I made this comparison last night after watching Green Bay go into Arizona and win. Green Bay was missing their top three wide receivers. And they really only have a top one. And, yeah. that's, and then it's yeah. like maybe a four is your next one. Scaling or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and then Lazard was also out. Yeah. Um, so they went into the only undefeated team in the league. A team that just killed us yeah. um, at home. He, they went into their place on primetime football without their three best receivers and won. In almost the exact same situation. Last year, the Browns lost to the terrible Jets. So to me... That that's kind of like the difference. Obviously, not everybody's Aaron Rodgers, but that's what I said. That's you know a big difference, bro. That's, <laughs> you know what uh, I mean? The but, second best quarterback, maybe of all time. But and you know what I'm saying? But that that like modern quarterback. That's, that's fair. That's we fair. need. I, I'm not saying to bail. People on here are saying bail on. I'm saying to bail on him. I'm not saying to bail on him right now. I'm saying good teams and teams that go to the next level. They aggressively search for options. Because I think he's got a superior offensive line when they're healthy, when you put wills. But you've also got to look at this. The Browns are not built to pass. They're built to run. When they got Wyatt Teller, he was a run blocker. Mm-hmm. When they got Jack Conklin, he was, he was uh, you know, blocking for Derrick Henry. That's what he did. Wills was Alabama's right tackle. They were a running team. So – you also, in all fairness, you got to look at the context and the, the formation of the team. They're built to run the ball. That's why somebody like OBJ, when we got OBJ, if you got a superior receiver, unless you're going to change your philosophy, unless you're going to change your whole structure, like when the Dolphins drafted Dan Marino, they were a running team. They had three great running backs. They re- they pounded people. They changed their offense to fit to fit Dan Marino. Well. We're not changing to fit Baker. We want Baker to change to fit us. Right. And I mean, that's exactly why Lamar Jackson is so great in Baltimore is because they said, well, yep. we're, we're not going to make him play our system. We're going to change our system to fit him because he's only good in that type of system, but he's really, really good at it. You that, know, so they did it. And look, look how they're doing. That's one more thing, too, that gets on my nerves lately is that some people are saying Stefanski's the problem. They need to let Baker unleash Unleash what? We saw that. <laughs> we literally saw that. He threw 20-plus interceptions. He borderline yeah. Jameis Winston season. Yeah. We saw Baker in that offense. We just praised this guy for putting Baker in a position to succeed last year. Mm-hmm. So it's not Stefanski's fault. Well, I, think I'm on, I think I'm on the other end of it, man. You like, are? Yeah. I'm st- I, don't get me wrong. Like, So I'm still on board, and we have him for another season next year. Yeah, we got the fifth year. option. Yeah, why not pick at, up the at low money? Yeah, right. And then you let, can franchise him after that. Right? Let the guy get True. healthy. Browns fans, don't don't toss him out yet. Yeah. I literally watched the guy last year be lights out, and everybody praise him. Second half of the season, yes, he was a great quarterback. Yes. I thought he was real good. Statistically, he was like the second best quarterback in the league. Mm. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I, I'm just days. saying. I like. Don't know. The guys saying, were, but, the guys I, I know, but we're just we're all arm falling off. We're we're yeah. We're cherry picking eight games to say how good we think he can be really good because I'm looking at his career as a yeah, whole. Yeah, but we yeah. also, I, I don't What's know, right? are you going to say his rookie year wasn't great? Yeah, I mean, he, he played, as far as a rookie year to that point, he had the best one ever. He had, he had, 
he had a very good season for a rookie. Yeah, he, he did. did. But he did. It's not like he had an all world season for a quarterback in the, in the modern NFL. He threw for still 30, not made a Pro yards. Bowl, huh? Still has not made a Pro Bowl. Yeah, he's a number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at his career as a whole, fifty plus games. So it's the good and the bad, and he has Case Keenum career numbers. Do we think? Case, uh, all, do we think Case Keenum? Case Keenum is the a franchise quarterback. All, all I'm saying is like if you can't. At the end of the season, if you don't get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson in some type of trade or something like that, then he's your guy. No, and I agree. Yeah, I'm not saying. To, yeah, I'm looking at like the Rams. The Rams could have kept golf and just kept making the playoffs. Yeah, and kept That's paying fine. him. And kept, you know That's they could they they could have kept golf they made, they and just kept. Ma- but the problem is, what's going to happen if we don't have the best offensive line in the league? What's going to happen if we don't have the best run game in the league? Baker is already. I mean, I can argue mediocre now. What's going to happen if we take away that? Yeah. You know what I mean? So the Rams didn't just rest on their laurels and say, we got a good enough quarterback where we can be competitive for the next six years. No, they were aggressive. They identified a guy that they thought could take them to the next level, and they made it happen. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying get rid of Baker right now and play Case because Case is better. No, I'm saying explore your options. If you think there's a guy out there who takes you to the next level, then do what it takes to go get him. One, th- one thing I will say between Baker and Jared Goff, to use that comparison and that argument, is Goff got to ride it with um, – he was with McVay his whole time, right? He was. So No, he was with Jeff Fisher's first year. Was that the first okay. year? And it was abysmal. Okay, well but – th- but then he had consistency after that with one of the greatest coaches, you know, in the league right now. Um, Innovators. Ba- yeah, exactly. And Baker, you know, this has popped up in the chat here a few times, I think. You know, four head coaches, two GMs, four coordinators – Yep. In uh, his first three years, that's, three, that's three quarterback coaches. As a Cleveland Browns fan, I'm like, I, I at least owe this guy the rest of the season and next year. Well, this was supposed to be it. Well, I know. Exactly. Here's the thing, though. His arm is I, I'm not buying that either. Messed up. No. You don't buy that? No, because he had a great game against the Chargers. Did his arm just magically hurt less that week? The Chiefs, he played well. Yeah, he wasn't, well, he wasn't injured. Then. So a lot of yeah. people are saying he's injured now. One, if you're playing, then I'm holding you to the standard of that's playing. Fair. Uh, that's Two, I'll give you that. You you played like crap against the Vikings because your shoulder was hurt. Yeah, lit it up against the Chargers, and then nobody mentioned the shoulder, and then played like crap against the Cardinals, and it was his shoulder was hurt. His shoulder didn't magically get better for a week, and then all of a sudden get re hurt. Yeah. Well, I mean, it did against the Cardinals. He was crap before. His, <laughs> when it was he, yeah. he was, when it was completely he was, mangled the other direction. Yeah, but he was playing like crap before that. Yeah, absolutely. I was at the game. So, it was awful. Yes. So the injury, I mean, come on. You're, if you're playing, then I'm holding you to the standard. Then why don't you hold playing. Odell to the same standard? I do hold him to that standard. He's got to play well. You, you Odell, used the, the Odell, shoulder injury as an excuse a couple of times. Odell though. can't throw the ball to himself. He can catch it. Or, I'm sorry, he can't. He has um, two drops on the year. F- he has two drops on the year. Oh, he is. He's got two drops every game. No, Thank it, you. Statistically, Thank you. has two drops. Statistically, but we've seen plenty. He's got more. two drops in this. He only has like a forty-five percent catch rate. Yeah, because Baker throws the ball ten yards too far, or he hits the DB in the back. Yeah, yeah. Against the Chargers, he was wide open. Yes, he doesn't wide throw. open down. Yes, but but that could have been a, an audible with the line where where he thought he was going to curl out, and he curled in instead. Who knows. Only Baker and, and OBJ know that. So, yeah, I'm just – I'm not saying Odell is completely blameless, but no other team in the world where somebody's struggling, do they go blame – it's the – the offense runs through the quarterback. Yeah, and the Chargers, he, he was horrible. 
He was abysmal. At, at, the, at the end of brownies and frownies, I always have a poll and I ask a question about something and give them usually three options. At the end of brownies and frownies, I said, what do you think the issues of Baker Mayfield are? And the first option was he played really bad. I didn't give you any other options. <laughs> um, that was it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I think, but I'm pretty sure against the Chargers, where he only had two to like two targets, he was the PFF highest graded player on the team. I don't care. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying. Hey, from my eyeballs, I don't see. It's that. hard. It's it's you can't eyeball. He only had two targets. What are you eyeballing? The, the ball. I'm, the, I, I'm eyeballing our most expensive receiver doing nothing on the field for multiple seasons. Like I said, he doesn't. He can't throw the ball to himself. Eight, he also can't catch it. Eighteen million is that what he's being paid? Fifteen. Fifteen point three. He can't throw. Yeah. He can't throw it to himself. Well, Baker can't go out there and catch fourth down passes either that are wide open. Again, he's got to catch those, but he should have one. He wasn't wide open. The the dude throwing ninety mile per hour. Was it the Bears game? He was wide yards. open. Yeah. Two. Why he should be getting like twelve targets a game again against that's the not a Baker two. thing. That's a that's a play well, calling thing. Well, it well, is a Baker thing because yeah. he's not looking at him. Baker barely throws twelve passes a game. It seems like it. Certain games. Well, look, look if you're going to say anybody should be a lights out, it should be Rashad Higgins. That that was his guy last year. Why isn't he getting targeted? And that, that, that's, Why isn't he getting? T- that's the thing too. There's a common. None of our receivers are playing well. No. There's a common denominator. Mm, I, I think Donovan People Jones had his breakout game, and then the next game he had six targets and two catches, and you know maybe less than twenty yards. So it, it doesn't make any sense. These these Josh likes to tell me how bad Odell is, but he's missed two games and he's second on the team in receiving. So well, <laughs> yeah, but he's like a hundred and twenty third in the yeah, league. Yeah, but <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. So it's not an Odell thing. It's not just. It's not like every other receiver on our team's lighting it up, and then Odell is being awful. Right. Nobody in the pass game is playing well. No. There's one common denominator for that. It's the person who throws them the ball. No. When your leading receiver is a tight end, you got an issue. A tight end who honestly does he doesn't even start. Yeah, he doesn't start. I just think we need a number one receiver on the team that might make a difference. We just don't have one. Okay. I mean, OBJ is a good maybe second or third option on a team, but yeah, you think OBJ is a, th- a third option on a team if he's on uh, on some teams in the league? If if be. this team, if Odell Tampa leaves, Bay, that the only one? <laughs> well, against the Bears, he was the fourth leading receiver in the game, and that's just one game. He didn't even lead our our team. Not. Uh, <laughs> We're not really built to throw the ball around no, either. I've said that. Yeah, we're we're running. We're team. a running team. Yeah. yeah, the volume is so low that it. This this season really does suck for this whole conversation because we can't evaluate accurately what's going on because of all the injuries and just the stuff going on. But that's every team. True, but not every team's got a quarterback who's like, should you miss the rest of the season? Should you not? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, the, right. at the halfway point, so right? If he's playing, I'm evaluating him. If he doesn't want to evaluate it, then sit and let Case play. I, I honestly think Case should at least play the Steelers game. I do. I think at halftime they're going to evaluate him and put him on a short leash and decide at halftime. I think that'd, that'd be a good strategy. Mm-hmm. So I hope he, he just balls out. And then next week, I don't want to hear anything about it. I don't, I don't want to hear about it. Listen, I want to hear any about it. I want him to ball out too, but then I want him to ball out the next game and the next game. I agree. In the next game. In the next game. It's very up and down. It's very roller coaster ish. Which is another name for average. Well, I think the whole thing stems from 
last part of last season, he was a, a very, very excellent quarterback. And then he had all this offseason, and he didn't have a, another playbook and another head coach. He was the first time that all of these coaches stayed and it, nothing changed. The, the offensive coordinator didn't leave. The quarterback coach didn't leave. The head coach didn't leave. So we had those expectations coming into the yep. season that, hey, he had a great season. It, it was, you know, had a, a good playoff run. We made the playoffs for the first time. We had a, a winning record. We, we won 11 games last year. Absolutely. You know, we had a, a great season. Uh, we got in at the sixth playoff seed. We won a playoff game. We could have beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And so we had those expectations of all that leading into this, and now we're at the eighth game, and we're saying, what's wrong with Baker Makefield? Well, to me, he's hurt. Well, if you're hurt, you sit, you get you get well, but it's their team, and they know, and it's their doctors. I mean, that's what they get paid for. That's what they go I, to school yeah. for. Yeah, you could see the way he comes out, like you said, in the first half, and there could be an argument. If, say, he's playing banged up and it shows or he gets hit again he has to come out – Put him on that three-week IR so that he's definitely out for the next three games. Make him get healthy. You know what I mean? That's something the team could do, I think. Well, the problem is he's not going to get healthy. Yeah. I, well, that, I know that the, you, you could take him out for three weeks or six weeks or ten weeks. If he doesn't yeah. get surgery, this this is as good as he's going to be this year. So gotcha. it's either play this week or just take the season off because you're not getting any more healthy than you are right now unless you get the surgery. Well, maybe it should be a, a more of a short passing game. Use the tight ends more. Um, maybe not some long long hauls. Use the running game. We're gonna we're gonna pound the ball Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're gonna run a lot. I agree with that. I don't. I don't. I don't want to see any long developing plays down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, like Blake says all the time, we don't have a deep passing game, so forget it. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if let's, we can. Let's do the quick slants. Let's do the tight end. Like I love the tight end screens, the running, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely the running backs. We've got great players at the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's kind of a boring way to run an offense, but it's exciting. You got their screaming. I mean, man. the Steelers do it. Yeah. We, we talked about them. That's how they, you know, they run through the air. So, well, it's still whoever has the most points wins the game at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's what we're looking for. Yep. yep. And I really think this is a game we can definitely win. We need to win it. I, I, need I, to win I it do think it's a must can win. win it. I think this is kind of similar to the Denver game, honestly. Here's the th- what, what do you think? How many times can we lose and still make the playoffs? Maybe five? AFC is not good this year. That's why I argued no, with you so much about that, that no. Chargers loss, that it was such a bad loss, because you lose those close games early in the season with all the teams that we're competing against, especially in our own division. Yeah. That sucks at the end of the year, so man. We can maybe lose five or six and make the playoffs. Six is, I'm... Well, especially with the Bengals being who they are this year. Yeah. Now they're either for real or they're going to fold, yep, but they right. look good. To they me. look for real. Their defensive front is is phenomenal. Yep. So with Larry Ogun Joby, Hendrickson, they yeah. they added some. Yeah. They, their defense, they added a lot of pieces. Mm-hmm. And, and the receive the receivers are lights out. I, I don't know how we're going to cover them <laughs> <laughs> with our with our defensive backfield. Yep. Well, do you have anything else from the first seven games that you want to look at? Or talk uh, about no, I th- I just think the defense has just been a big disappointment. Yeah, and it's just been a, a roller coaster on there. We we expected you know big things out of like Anthony Walker, and yes. he, he had a good game last week. The week four he didn't. Um, he's been hurt. Um, you know, and um, defensive backfield is just the the biggest disappointment to me. The I, I thought the safety room was solved. I thought we had young guys coming in. We brought in veterans uh, who were proven. It's not like Troy Hill. Troy Hill 
was a six-year NFL veteran, but he only had one great year, and it was last year. That's not what John Johnson was. He's had a, a good career all the way across the board. Right. Yeah. And we brought him in. And same thing with Anthony Walker. The Colts didn't want to lose him, and they did. But it just hasn't formulated like that to where the defense is stout. And uh, But the defensive front is good. You can't run against us. No. We haven't yet to have – a hundred yard rusher, and that's us. a difference because I in years yeah. past it was. And you, you use the fantasy football thing as an example. Like it was, who's playing the Browns this week? Throw right. them in your lineup because they're mm-hmm. going to get at least a hundred yards, and hasn't happened this year. I mean, it's that that is an impressive uh, aspect of that defense. Yeah, after, absolutely. Okay, well, that's kind of the takeaways for against the Steelers and our. Uh, our takeaways on the first seven games of the season. Before we move on, I want to remind you guys to check out Symbol, the stock market for sports. Head to symbol.com backslash dogs, D-A-W-G-S. Play the stock market for sports. Think the Robin Hood app, uh, whatever apps there are out there for stock market only with cool things like sports teams, NFL teams, baseball teams, NBA teams. I think there's even college on there. The way it works is yep. you jump on there, you buy stock in a certain team. So if you're a huge Browns fan, you buy stock in the Browns. As our stock goes up, that's how you make money. You also get an instant cash payout every week that we win. Another cool thing about Symbolor is the free pick three leagues. You go to teammates in the lower left-hand corner of your screen, and then the upper right-hand corner of your screen, you hit join slash create league. You're going to find the Dogs Podcast League. Join our league, and then you're going to pick three games against the spread every single week. Whoever has the most points at the end of the year is going to get a free Browns jersey. Any player they want provided by Symbol, completely free. So hop on there, symbol.com backslash dogs, D-A-W-G-S. Lastly, the one thing I got to remind you about, your deposit right now is a hundred percent refundable up to five hundred dollars. Five hundred bucks fully guaranteed. Wow. So if you if you've been on and you've just been doing the pick three and you haven't really paid much attention to the stock market portion of the website and, and you're interested, you can put up to five hundred dollars in and for the first ninety days it's a hundred percent refundable. You put five hundred bucks in, two hundred bucks, a hundred bucks, you lose it all, or you're not making anything, you're not fun, your wife finds out and she asks what you spent this money on, you need to get it back. All you do is you just let them know and it's a hundred percent refundable. Um That's so unheard of. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's literally risk free right now. So now's a great time to try it. Symbol.com backslash dogs, D-A-W-G-S. Make sure you check them out. So for you guys who don't know Barry as well as we do, he's big into history, football history. Um, He wanted to talk a little bit today, some cool, interesting stuff. I think he has some uh, background on the the elf. Yeah, I wanted to tell you about the origins of uh, Brownie the elf. I mean, we just we just accept it and we just see it and it's everywhere. Um, Justin, you've got the year that. Absolutely. The, the Browns started on, your, right. on your shirt there. It only took me jersey. like three months to get it. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Browns started in 1946. It was um, going into World War II, uh, a lot of teams, there were only eight NFL teams, and a lot of NFL players ended, uh, ended up in the service. And plus, people, uh, guys that were seniors or underclassmen in college, entered World War II that could have gone into the NFL. So when they came out of World War II, there were literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men that either played in the NFL or could have played in the NFL. So there was another league started called the All-American Football Conference, and it had eight teams in it, and one of them was awarded to a man named Mickey McBride, who was a, a Cleveland native that owned two taxicab companies, at the same time, the NFL still had the Cleveland Rams. 
Cleveland Rams won the 1945 NFL championship, but the Cleveland AAFC team by, by Mickey McBride hired Paul Brown to be their head coach. Well, at the time, Paul Brown was the most famous sports oriented person in the country. He had gone, uh, he had coached Ohio State, won a national championship. He coached Maslin High School. He was from Maslin. Uh, he won six high school championships, and everybody knew Paul Brown. Well, the Rams had, had wanted to go leave Cleveland and go to Los Angeles for two years. The NFL owners wouldn't let them because of travel, because back then it was by train or bus. But in 1946, started air travel. So the NFL owners allowed the Rams to move to L.A., Plus, with the new Cleveland team coming in, coached by Paul Brown, Rams didn't want any part of that. In fact, the Rams played at City Field, which housed 27,000. They didn't play at Muni Stadium. They only played at Muni Stadium when they played like the Giants or the Bears, where they could get 50,000, 60,000 people. So they, they didn't even use the Indian Stadium for their home games. The, Ram, the, 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 uh, the, the new Cleveland team right off rented that stadium. We're not playing in this small stadium. We're playing in this big stadium. So they were preparing for that. So now the Rams are gone. Mickey McBride ran a name the team contest, and what won was Panthers. So this team that we all pull for was going to be called the Cleveland Panthers. Well, there was another Cleveland Panthers team that played in the 19s and the 20s and the early 30s. And when that was announced in the paper, a man came forward and said, I own the trademarks to that, but I'll lease it to you. Well, Mickey McBride came from poor surroundings. He knew he could name his team anything he wanted to. So he said, nah, I'll pass. So they, in the meantime, people like us would go to practice and we'd get around at work and we'd say, have you seen Paul Brown's team practice today? No, I'm going to see Paul Brown's team on Saturday. So everybody started calling it Paul Brown's team. So eventually, McBride said to Paul Brown, let's name it the Browns. Coach Brown said no, then he relented. Did you know that? I did not know that. So that's how that got started. So they ended up being called the the Cleveland Browns. Hmm. Well, Mickey McBride wanted a symbol. All teams had a symbol or a logo or a letter uh, like the Cleveland Indians have their certain kind of C, and it's different than the Cincinnati Reds, and it's different than the Chicago Cubs. And he wanted a symbol or a logo. Well, think about it. If, if, if you got a team called the Browns, what kind of symbol or logo would you conjure up? Um, a picture of Paul Brown? Um, maybe something that came out of the oven with walnuts? Um, I can tell you Steeler fans would, would think it's a big pile of dog poop. That, that'd be the logo. So he couldn't come up with a logo, but he knew of a character that is in English folklore called brownies. Now, brownies were invented in northern England to convince children and servants to complete their chores. Uh, all throughout history, they, they've invented stuff like pixies and gnomes. Uh, take, for instance, if you're, uh, you're in your wagon and you're traveling from point A to point B, and your wagon needs a couple of boards, and you're going across a bridge, and you, you, you stop and get out your, your crowbar and your hammer. Well, if you knew there was a big hairy ogre 
that lived under the bridge that was going to get out and just knock you around and, and have horse meat for, you know, for supper, you continue on your journey and, and just bypass all that. So brownies were invented so that when, when uh, Englanders gave their children chores, if they knew somebody that was hidden and invisible that only came out at night could, could watch them during the day, they were more inclined to do it. Or if they had help, they were more inclined to do it. So he came up with the Browning. Well, Paul Brown uh, was in everything in the team. He coached Maslin in the, in the, in uh, earlier in his career. Um, if there was a stapler to be bought, if there was a chair to be bought, Paul Brown gave his approval on it. Mm-hmm. He hired and fired the owners, uh, allowed him to do that. They wanted him to do that. He was the GM. He was the president. He owned 5% of the, of the team. And he, he formed this team into his own image. He chose orange and brown as their colors. He chose uh, what the helmets would look like. And so every aspect of it, well, Mickey McBride came up with this brownie figure from folklore. Well, when Paul Brown coached Maslin High School, they were called the Maslin Tigers. Their colors were orange and, and black. And that's where Paul Brown liked the color orange. And that's why the Browns have orange. Well, at some point when he won his first state championship, the school hired uh, an artist named A.D. Small to do a, a, a nice plaque for him, a, you know, state championships. And I think he was even national championships. Um, to commemorate and give Paul Brown this this commemoration on this. Well, so Paul Brown knew an artist. He commissioned him to come up with a logo for Maslin High School that was a uh, a tiger running the ball named Obi. Have you seen Obi? Oh, I know Obi. I'm married into Obi life stuff, oh, are man. You? Oh, yeah. I had to go to the parade last week. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what Obi stands for? Um, I My wife has told got me her... I want to say my wife has told me it before, but yeah. I don't know. O and B stands for orange and black. Is everything. Orange and black is everything? Uh, I don't know about is everything, oh, the, but probably. The IE at the end? Yeah. O-B-I-E. Yeah. But uh, the OB stands for orange and black, which was their school colors. Right. Well, he got A.D. Small to to draw this this tiger image. Well, Paul Brown knew that. He knew this artist. So he contacted them, and, and so it was decided that they were going to use this Brownie folk folklore. He contacted A.D. Small. Well, Paul Brown, his last year of Maslin is when Obi became a mascot. I think it was 1940. Mm-hmm. So what happened is he just gave A.D. Small this Brownie creature, and Small made Obi into Brownie. Very cool. If you look at the logos— they're almost identical. Mm-hmm. They they both wearing something on their head. They're both running. They both have the football on their left hand. They're both stiff arming. It's Brownie is Obi. So that's where that came mm-hmm. from. Did you know that? I did not. I did know not that. know that. And hopefully my wife isn't watching this because she'll be saying that to Blake every time she sees him. <laughs> I'm a I'm a massive <laughs> football hater. <laughs> I, I I it's fun. It's very very fun. So now. Now, how Brownie got his official name, okay? Uh, a brownie is a brownie. He's not an elf. 
way back when. Now, now we think of elves as, as Santa's helpers or the the Keebler cookie, cookie, you know, real soft and and cuddly. But brownies originally were invented as mean, hateful. They'd put spells on people. They'd make your cattle sick. They'd make people sick in your house. Brownie is not an elf. Brownie is a brownie. I don't know at what point he became, but originally he was called Brownie Elf. But he's not an elf. It's not the Cleveland Elves, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. It's the Cleveland Browns. So if anybody ever says, why do they use the elf as a logo for the Browns? We say, it's not an elf. He's a brownie. He's a brownie. A brownie. The, oh. very, the very first um, advertisement was in a Cleveland Plain Dealer two weeks before their first game against the Miami Seahawks, September 1946. It's got the picture of Brownie stiff arming. And it's, the caption says, the Brownies are coming. Mm-hmm. And it talks about Cleveland Municipal Stadium and, and et cetera. Uh, their very first program shows Brownie, that same Brownie, with a stiff arm. It's the exact one that was in the newspaper ad. And for the longest time, for the first three or four years, that was the only logo. Mm-hmm. Now, later they came up with pennants that showed Brownie as a quarterback throwing the ball, and then they would put them in position. The one that we see most generalized is there on the, the pennant there. Mm-hmm. Well, he's just standing there. Um, but everything about him, his clothes, his belt buckle, his hat, the, his, his little cloth booties, all of that is from English folklore of what a brownie is and not an elf. Elf looks completely different. Now, elves had pointy ears and, and folklore, but elves, uh, brownies also had brown hair and, and dark uh, kind of brownish skin. And the reason behind that is they had brown hair is because of the region they were from. Mm-hmm. In, in northern England, there weren't people with blonde hair. There weren't people with red hair. Everybody had brown hair, English people. So that's, that's why they looked that way. So now, now the creature has to have, so Mickey Bride now had a symbol. He had a brownie that he'd call. And, of course, you can't have it look cuddly because this is football. You can't call a team the marshmallows and you have your team the marshmallows or the chocolate chip cookies. you got to make <laughs> him look mean and hateful. Uh-huh. But how he got his name was when Paul Brown lived in Maslin. Back in the day, and I can remember this as a kid, downtown of different cities, um, soft drink companies would pay sign painters and they would paint advertisements on the side of buildings all, all the time. Coca-Cola, uh, 7-Up, Yoohoo, you name it. Um, all these soft drink companies will for 30 plus years on the side of a building in downtown Maslin was an advertisement for Brownie root beer. Nice. And, and with Brownie root beer, it's got uh, the original bottles. Now, we have a picture of the, what the brownie root beer looks like today. Oh, cool. Okay. Somebody bought the recipe in 1995 and had been making this brownie root beer since 1995. But the origins showed a, a, a brownie character with on the bottle, and it says brownie. And on the bottle cap, it's got brownie root beer and the picture of a brownie. Well, Paul Brown had his thumb on everything, and he controlled everything. He wanted to make sure that if we're going to have a character and we're going to have a logo, by God, I'm going to be 
part of it, and it's going to be because I said for it to be. Because he lived in Maslin. In fact, when he, he his wife, Katie, his first wife, Katie, um, passed away, she's buried in Maslin. When Paul Brown uh, uh, passed away in his 80s, his services were at St. Thomas in Maslin, mm-hmm. and he's buried next to her. He went to Maslin Washington High School. He grew up in Maslin from like five or four or five and up. But he saw that brownie root beer, and if you've got a brownie character, Name it Brownie. And that's what Paul Brown did. Very cool. Very, very cool history. That was awesome. I'm actually getting a lot of texts from people saying how much they're enjoying this. So thank you, Barry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of people in the chat are saying they like it. So awesome. So, I didn't know a lot of that I stuff. Say, is this root beer time? It could be root beer time. It could time. be root beer time. And, and, right. and I've got a part two to the Brownie story. <laughs> okay. Well, while we're doing the root beer. All right. So you actually have Brownie root beer. Is that what you're saying? Oh, you know I do. <laughs> Barry might have might have hooked us up a little bit. M. Night Shyamalan twist yeah, ending here going Pass on. that around. Now, that nice. is somebody bring an opener. I did, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well played. Yeah. Well, so where do you get this stuff? Because this is pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, SotoEmporium.com. So, guys, if you guys want some of this uh, brownie root beer uh, that Barry's been talking about, what was that website again? SodaEmporium.com. SodaEmporium.com. It's called Brownie Caramel Cream Root Beer. Now, I've got my brother off there, and we got Kyle. So, that's got to be passed around, too, right? Did you yes. bring six? No, I did not bring six. No. That was rude. <laughs> that's just wow. rude. <laughs> I know, thoughtless. This guy comes all the way up from Florida, and you can't even bring him a root beer? No, he's from Indianapolis. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> He's all the way from Indianapolis, guys. Get the guy a root beer. <laughs> oh, he does have a root beer. Okay, good. So I, I'm being totally stupid and thinking you guys meant, did I bring six bottle openers? <laughs> oh, oh, no, I meant six bottles of, of root beer. There you go. Open yours up and let's, let's crank this. Okay. Yeah. So what's this part two? Um, let's take a swig first. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to make a toast? Yeah. Yeah, hold on real quick. Yeah. Has this got alcohol in it? Are we about to get it? No, sir. <laughs> okay. You need to open it. It's oh, called here. Brownie Cra- Caramel Cream Root Beer. Since 1929. Well, I already tried it, guys. It's pretty good. Make what sure about you guys the check toast? <laughs> All right. To the Browns. To the Brownies. <laughs> to the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being here, everybody. We got a little bit more to go. Get your questions in the chat. We're going to do a Q&A at the end of this. Um, Ooh, that's good. We want to answer all your guys' yeah, questions. Absolutely. So make that's sure you good. guys get your questions in the chat. We already got some. I got them queued up whenever we're getting ready to go. I'll tell you what. I have not had root beer. It's been a couple of years, honestly. I'm not a big root beer drinker, but yeah. man. That's good. That's very yeah. good. And Soda like- Emporium is the only one, uh, the only site that sells uh, soft drinks that they have found that they got it. It's very good. Very so cool. check this guys, uh, check this out, guys. And it could be good in any man cave if you guys got brown stuff down there. Mm. So part two <laughs> is when Art Modell bought the team in 1961. Um, that he was the third ownership group, and up into that point, every ownership group that had the team let Paul Brown do whatever he wanted to. He hired and fired and and just ran the team. They didn't care. When Art Modell bought the team, Paul Brown owned 15% of the team at that point. He had already cashed out when McBride sold the company, and then he cashed out when this Modell, and there was a guy from New York. Modell was a secondary owner. Modell's a curse word on this show. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll call him that guy. Okay. So when that guy bought the team in 1961, 
the first thing that he did was he fired Browning. In fact, he is listed in the paper that said, my first um, uh, rules of engagement that I'm going to do with the Brownies is to fire that effing elf. Really? Wow. And he did. And from that point on, until the, the Browns left for Baltimore in 1995, Brownie the Elf, the last time we saw him was somewhere down the river under a tent. Jeez. Mm. Just so, another reason to not like that guy, I guess. You know. So when Lerner, when Lerner and Carmen Policy uh, started the new Browns in 1999, they immediately put Brownie the Elf back on. Mm. In fact, I remember in 2003, their, their training camp, ponchos that they wore uh, on the sidelines in preseason had Brownie the Elf, and it was this one right here. There's, there's a bunch of renditions of him, but that's mm-hmm. probably the most famous. And if you notice... Or the one on the surfboard, right? Like on yeah, the on the, like the Honolulu. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Friends of the program. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought I was the only one supposed to wear Honolulu today. You you kind of you kind of jumped on that. Did you guys talk that out? So you got no, to- we didn't. No, nope, didn't. Didn't. <laughs> I knew we were talking Brownie, though. If you notice on Brownie, though, his little booties, they're cleats on the bottom of them. Yep. Yep. And, and when you see him with the stiff arm... He's got one foot that's up, and it's like he's running real fast, and it's pretty prevalent. Yep. Nice. So, awesome. But Modell hated him, or that guy hated him. Well, we hate him. <laughs> so, Well, that was some Brownie the Elf history. I think we got a couple Barry idioms uh, coming up, and then we're going to do the Q&A. So make sure you guys get your, uh, get your questions in the chat so we can go through all of them. So what are some of, what are some of your idioms here? I only have one. I only have one per show. All right, here we go. So, yep. so don't make me smarter than a look. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the one I'm going to give you today, and you know, there's lots of things in football that have nothing to do with football. Gridiron is for cooking. Sack is to put something in. Hail Mary is a, is a Catholic prayer. On and on. It's just it's just everywhere. Pistol, shotgun. What I'm going to give you today is tailgating. Oh, nice. <laughs> Right up my alley, brother. <laughs> we we have all tailgated. We have all gone to other places and tailgated. I have been with people that have traveled that have stuff in their vehicles that don't take it out all season. Um, how tailgating got started was the the Green Bay Packers began in 1919. The NFL started in 1920, but the Packers didn't join. And the 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 NFL started as the American Professional Football Association. 1922, they became the NFL. But for the first two years, they were the APFA. The Packers started as a company team. So we all work for this meatpacking company. And like if if we joined a softball team, that's how the Packers started. Hmm. So they the Indian Packing Company was out of Delaware. And they had six plants that, that put meat into cans and one of the plants was in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The, the name of the, the meats was Council Meats. And you'd go to a grocery store just like now and you buy a certain kind of pork and beans or cheese. You could buy different meat products. And the, the company wanted to raise morale and have camaraderie against their factory workers. So they wanted to start a football team because a lot of these players or a lot of these uh, plant workers had played college football. And they approached uh, Curly Lambeau, who was a, a department manager. He had played uh, at Notre Dame for a season. He had played a lot of baseball. To 
they uh, approached Lambeau to start this team, and they did. Well, the the Indian Packing Company paid for the uniforms, paid for the equipment, and right outside the plant was just this big open field. And they donated that for practices, which also became their playing field, their game field. So the first year, uh, factory workers, there was no admission, there was no gate, there was no ropes, there wasn't anything. Factory workers would come out and see their their co-workers and their friends and then more and more people from the town started coming because green bay was small uh, green bay is 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 real small it's only six hundred thousand even today um so it started getting more and more well in 1919 um when people would show up they would line the field they'd line the sidelines and they'd line the back of the end zone and that's how they would watch it well as more people showed up now it's not people standing on the sideline. Now it's not three deep. Now it's not six deep. Now it's 12 deep. So the second season in 1920, they were, they were an independent team and playing NFL teams and other independent teams regionally from Pittsburgh all the way to Indiana and Chicago and Illinois. What people started doing was bringing their wagons and their pickup trucks. So we all live in the same block and we've all got cars, but Justin has a pickup truck. So we'd go with him. They'd bring their trucks in there and back them up in wagons and lay the bed down on the tailgate down. And now we've got a second level of sight. Mm, very and, nice. And, and so Justin's pickup truck can hold 15. So we're not competing with these 12 or 15 that are standing in front of us that are along the sideline, now we're at a second level because there weren't any bleachers. There weren't any bleachers at all. So these people started doing this. Well, being a, 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 a Bible Belt city, what people started doing is games were 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, always on Sundays because one thing about pro football is they have never stepped on the toes of college football on Saturday or high school football on Friday. If you notice any Saturday games that happen in the NFL, they happen after the Saturday games are abandoned for for students to do finals and stuff. So what people started doing was taking prepared food to church. And once they got out of church, they'd already have their food cooked and ready. Then they would show up at the game, back theirs in. Well, Josh's uh, wife, she makes the best potato salad in town. Oh, she does? Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> potato salad is and, delicious. And Blake can keep a, uh, cook a mean, you know, ham or, you know, whatever. I'm so vegan. Hot dogs. <laughs> oh, I got you. In the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> so people started bringing stuff to where you don't have seven potato salads and you don't have to bring the whole meal. You bring something, you bring something, you bring something. We're at one truck anyway. We're at one wagon anyway. And so they started bringing their own food that was already prepared, and now they can see the game. And I don't know when it actually officially became known as tailgating, but it is because of tailgates of trucks and wagons that that is known. Well, that's awesome. More good stuff. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. I did not Take know that. Take that to the Muni lot next time. That's right. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, while we're finishing up enjoying this root beer, we got actually a decent amount of questions coming in. 
We're going to get to as many, keep them coming. We'll get to as many as we can or until we get through all of them. Uh, we can't be here forever, but we will get through as many of these as we can. Or until the root beer grows. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so the first question came from our friend DF Sports, and he asked, where do you think we need to go in the receiver room? Do we need to, before the trade deadline, I know Deshaun Jackson is out there. Possibly he wants out of L.A., um, do you think we need to do anything in the receiver room? Yeah, I just did an article of five daring moves the Browns could do before the uh, before the trade deadline. It's November the 2nd, 4 p.m. Eastern time. I put we should trade Odell to, to the Raiders and try to get Cleveland Farrell. Mm-hmm. That that would give us another rotation. He's not playing. He's, he's been a bust there. A lot of times it's just the system there. Well, Odell is a bust for us. He hasn't had any kind of numbers for him. They only have Henry Ruggs, so that would give them a, a second receiver. And, and Ruggs being a rookie, that would give them a veteran second receiver that's been there, that's done that. But, um, you know, I, I, think, I think what they're going to end up doing, I think they're just going to leave it as it is and just do whatever it takes. I just wish they'd get DPJ more involved in it. Well, he's out again. You said Justin. He's this out week. for the game um, this week for that uh, hamstring. Groin. Yeah. Oh, groin. It's groin. Yeah. That's so. That's two games in a row now. I mean, and and with those growing injuries, you know, you never know when they're going to come back. So that means that and I mean, hamstring. Yes, exactly. And he can be limited by that the rest of the season now. Mm-hmm. So that really, you know, cripples us with. Jarvis has already dealt with injuries. He's still a little banged up. I know he's going to play. Yeah. But you know, he hobbled off the field. OBJ's got the shoulder injury. We're depleted i don't think that i I agree with you barry i don't think anything happens this this year but i think i I, one of those guys are going to be gone between jarvis and obj i just don't see both of those guys being there next year and i think it's just more of like i think it'll be obj that gets traded or whatever happens but i think it's just more of a salary well the problem with obj is 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 it's a buy high sell low scenario yeah i mean we traded basically two first with jabril peppers was a first um Right now, what would you get for him? A fourth? If we're lucky. I, yeah. That's why I'm on team keep him. Yeah, I'm on team <laughs> keep him too. Because you're not going to get anything in return, at least not of, I guess in his numbers, it would maybe be equal value, but I don't know. I just know that there's potential there, and I don't, I don't like to give up on it, even though I'm giving up on other people. <laughs> yeah, we noticed, bro. I'm glad you walked that took a week around. off and I you're ha- gone. I haven't, well, I haven't given up, again. but... Um, <laughs> Okay, so then Andrew Jackson uh, out of the Patreon, he asks, what's your bold prediction for the offseason? Does he think someone of significance will be traded or released that he didn't think would be at the beginning of the season? Well, I believe that you got to start with the defense. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that you got to look at defenders. But even if you've got key people like, like uh, Shaq Barrett out of Tampa, I, I thought for sure the Browns would go after him. But he took less money to stay where he is. So you really don't know what people are thinking. I, I have seen people take less money for what it is. But you've got to start with the defense. I, I'd like to see them go after, say, uh, Marcus May of the Jets, the safety. He's the best. I think he's the best safety in the game. He is lights out as far as is hitting. Uh, he's on a one-year deal for 10, 10 point something million. Uh, that's what I would see right there is it because at first it looked like the safety room was fixed, but I don't think it's fixed now. Do any of y'all No. but to me, in my opinion, which I know, you know, I haven't broken down film. I don't, I'm not privy to that. 
I don't think it's the players on our defense. I think it's the person calling the plays for the defense is the problem. Okay. So that's the, at least that's my opinion on it. But, you know, I've been wrong before. So Marcus May, the safety of the Jets, bring him in, cure the room, put pair him with uh, John Johnson. I don't know what they're going to do with Delpit. They'll probably be patient with him. I wouldn't be. I'd, I'd cut ties with him right now. I've seen him be juke way too many times. Somebody said, are we surprised that he's still healthy? And I thought, well, it's because he, he keeps missing tackles, so yeah. he's not getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> missing tackles badly. Yeah. So James Day wants to know who's the best team in the AFC this year. And he said besides the Browns. Oh. <laughs> um, me personally, I like the Ravens. I do. I know Buffalo looks like the best team, and yeah, I know the probably. Chargers look like the best team. But I don't know how to start Lamar. I don't know how to stop him at all. I, I have, I saw him against the Colts, and that pocket com- collapsed numerous times. And here comes Jackson. Mm, yeah. And once he's out, he's out. And you better have somebody that's got the. It's it's not whether they can tackle or not. Do you, can you match up the speed with him? Yep. I mean, the dude can fly. I've never seen somebody who, when he'll have two or th- sometimes even three defenders kind of you know converging in on him, mm-hmm. and he he doesn't like break a tackle. He doesn't right. all of a sudden get real fast. He just kind of simply steps right in right. between them, right. and then next thing you know, he's stop. gone. And it's like, yeah. how did he do that? I mean, he just does it like it's nothing. Yeah, to me, I think the Ravens are the best team in the league. I think they're going to the whole win. league. No, uh, in the okay. NFC. All right, Excuse all right. Me. Excuse me. Let me let me bring that back. I think they're the best team. The Bills on paper look like it. Before the season, I would have said the Chiefs. In fact, I would never, ever, yeah. ever. Uh, we do a tally out. We do uh, predictions every week, and I've never bet against the Chiefs. Every game that they play, I just do Chiefs all the way. Yeah. Now I'm I'm four and three or three and four, whatever right. they are. Right, is what I am against them. But I like the Ravens. They they've got. How many running backs do they have? They have like all of them. Yeah, this all, is the next every, guy as long as they're over what twenty nine years old, they're on their team. Yep. So, um, real quick, just on, as a side note onto that, who would your Super Bowl prediction be at this point? Oh, Ravens. Um, is, is Brady going back? Ravens, uh-huh. Tampa, Ravens, Rams. There you go. Yeah, I, I like the Rams there. Yeah, I I, I don't think the Cardinals are going to be sustainable. I, I, I don't think so. I, I think that they'll make the playoffs. But you got to look at their division also. Um, you know, the Seahawks have faltered. Yes, Russell Wilson has is, is gotten hurt. But they were faltering even before that. Uh-huh. That division is just tough. It's, it's like the Browns division, the AFC North. You know, you've got four good teams that's going to fight each other out. It's, it's like the SEC in football. Yes, they're not going to get two teams in the playoffs because they beat each other up and they knock mm-hmm. each other off. Well, that's what the AFC North is going to be, and that's what the NFC West is going to be. Yeah, Ra- okay. Ravens I, Rams will be good. I think I think Rams are there. I I like Buffalo, man. Yeah, their defense yeah, Buffalo is good. Their defense. I think is you could flip insane. a coin on that. Yeah, I I think their defense is arguably better than their offense, and they got a insane. defensive coach. Yes. All right, we got a couple more here. Uh, Gage Tucker wants to know, based on what we've seen so far, where would you go in next year's draft? He says the guy on the top of his draft board is Jordan Davis, D-tackle out of Georgia. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would definitely go D-line. Uh, you can't have too many defense pass rushers. You can't. And realistically, Jadavian Clowney's on a, a one-year deal. Tack McKinley's on a one-year deal. That kind of depends on – not only how they play, 
but who's going to offer them money in the interim? We could say, yes, we want Tack McKinley to come back, but it doesn't mean he's going to sign because mm-hmm. he's only on a one-year deal. But you always, always cannot have too many corners, too many pass rushers on, on, on the roster. I would definitely pair somebody. Last year, I wanted to pair somebody with Miles Garrett. I had them first round. Uh, is one of my three choices taking somebody who's doing real well for the Ravens, Oa, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, and and that's what I would do. I would go D line. Okay, okay. Uh, just me wants to know with such a talented young running back room, where could you see Hunt or John- could you see Hunt or Johnson being traded in the off season? Yeah, one of my five daring moves, and you don't have to agree with this. Okay, and and a lot of times you write something to spark conversation. But I had us trading, now that Dearness Johnson has kind of come to the forefront, right? All right, he's he's making 850000 Uh Hunt is making five, six million a year. And then we got Chubb. You're not going to get rid of Chubb. Right. Are we all in agreement on that? <laughs> Absolutely. He's the heart of the team. Okay. Absolutely not. So what are you going to do? Just sit Johnson? You're just going to put him on the bench and just say, okay, come in here and give Chubb a blow. And so you've got three, to me, thoroughbreds. And I would trade Kareem Hunt. And I would trade him to the Miami Dolphins for uh, for their, their cornerback that didn't want to be there. Howard? Xavier uh, Howard? Yep. I would do that trade right now. And, and you think That's, about that it. That is crazy to say with how Kareem has been playing and how important our run game is, but. Xavion Howard is a lockdown top five guy. Yeah. So that that was one of my five daring moves. Is let's trade. They they have a running back that's 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 not good, um, and and they need a running back. Well, Hunt is used to being the number one guy. Remember back in the day when Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith and Eric Dickerson there was one guy. Mm-hmm. Hunt was that guy for the Chiefs. Yep. His rookie year, he was the not only led the NFL. In rushing, but the first 10 games of his sophomore year, he was a leading rusher before he got suspended, then got waived because of that video. Mm-hmm. So for a year and a half, he was the number one guy. Well, he's second fiddle now. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get near the carries. He would welcome being a stud horse. And if we could get a starting caliber cornerback, which if you think about it, Newsom's not playing well because he's a rookie. Denzel Ward, he's a roller coaster. Um, that would plug and play right there. Nope, I agree. And I, I don't want to get rid of Hunt because he's one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. But if you put your GM cap on, you realize you don't need three running backs like that. No, and, and if you think about it, they're not going to get rid of Chubb. So who has the most value between Hunt and Johnson? It's Hunt. Right. So that's what you're going to get the most for. So if if Johnson can come in and fill Hunt's void and fill the backup role to Chubb and Hunt has value, Johnson doesn't have value. Johnson has one game value. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have sustainable value. But Hunt has value. Now, I like Hunt. I think he's, he's second, third in the on the team receiving. He is a great receiver. And he's so much different than Chubb. It's it. He he's more of an electric guy, violent, violent, violent. That's violent. a slashing runner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, whereas Chubb is is just a, a 
the same old plow over you. Yeah. And, and But once Chubb hits the corner, he's just steadfast like a, yep. a, like a workhorse. Yep. But Hunt has value. Johnson doesn't. Are you just going to stick Johnson on the bench now? He can come in and fill that void uh, to be either the secondary or to be the starting running back. He looked like a starting running back to me the other day. Absolutely. And, and why didn't he win AFC Offensive Player of the Week? That Who I don't did? know. Uh, Jamar Chase. Oh, well. well that, that his, his line was, <laughs> no, what, yeah. 200 yards? No, shut up. <laughs> two touchdowns? No. <laughs> I saw Dearness was like the FedEx ground player. Of the I did yeah. see that, yeah. yeah. Cleveland oh, did put that up. I see. Um, okay, so a couple more here. Uh, kind of com- I had a couple people ask about like OBJ. We'll kind of combine them all. They just want to know why you think OBJ – and hasn't really clicked and worked in Cleveland, do you think he wants to be here? And I will say, if you want to throw in a little bit, because you covered him in New York, correct? Correct. I w- yeah, maybe use some of that too, because I'm interested to hear about that. Yeah, well, I, I think there's a, a culmination of reasons. Um, I don't think Baker Mayfield is this 55 passes per game quarterback. If, if the Browns change their offense to just throwing the ball the majority of the time, Baker couldn't do that. Do you agree? I completely agree. Okay. So that's number one. You, you don't have a passing quarterback. I think Baker is more of a game management quarterback. I think he can pull games out. He did against the Bengals last year with that last second pass. He has brought many uh, in, in position to win at the end. I don't think he's just a, a game manager like they, they say Case Keenum is. Right. So he needs to be in an offense that can throw the ball. Well, Eli Manning was was a thrower. I don't think he has the speed that he has, and it might be because of this injury that he came back from. I don't know. Um, but I also know that he, he doesn't get separation like he used to. When he was with the Giants, he would do his, – his routes seemed to be crisper, his – his fakes seem to be better. Now guys are just waiting for him to make his fake and not taking either one and then following him wherever he ends up. And he just doesn't have that separation. If you notice, when he catches the ball, there's usually a guy right on him. Well, with the, with the football giants, it wasn't that way. He was five, six, seven yards. And then where he made a name for himself was the yards after, after the catch. He was gone. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, he had good angles. He knew how to take good angles. And he just hasn't done that with the Browns. He just doesn't seem to have the separation. Um, I don't think the Browns are interested in, in him getting um, 160 yards and three touchdowns in a game. I don't think they have any interest in that at all. I think they have interest in, in Hunt getting 163 yards and three touchdowns. But any receiver, if if they get over 100 yards, it's like, okay, whatever. Good game, dude. Here's the game ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right, because you you definitely don't see that. Now, if you take OBJ and trade him to a team that passes the ball, I think he'd flourish. I think, like you said, if we traded him to the the Raiders, Mm -hmm. he'd dominate. Well, especially because they've got a deep threat with Henry Ruggs that can take the top off the defense. And you have to respect a guy like Henry Ruggs is by no means this well-polished veteran receiver you know he's still young and fast exactly Mm -hmm. and and he was a first round pick for a reason i mean he's still talented so that would be a good a good spot for obj to come in and be like you said that veteran presence right um you know for that receiving room 
Otherwise, they really don't have any vets out there in Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I think that OBJ is a, a round piece in a square square hell. I, I, I think he just needs to go somewhere that's going to toss the ball. And I think maybe what would what would OBJ be like in Dallas? Yeah. Well, and you know, I guess we talk about like the head coaching changes and stuff and the coordinator and the schemes and all this stuff and how much it's changed for Baker. But I mean, Odell came in here his first year and it was with Freddie, which was a joke and a circus and all that stuff. And then he transitioned the the next year is a whole new system, whole new coaching staff. And all of a sudden it's a run focused offense. So I think there's that plays into that for him too. No, a hundred percent. If we give Baker, you know, leeway because he's had to go through different coaches and court so is all of our receivers yeah they all had to learn new offenses and made that transition stuff like that all right let, let me ask you one question point to one thing on this offense that that says we're a passing team nothing I, well yeah, all this. i mean if you look at our roster on paper you could say this is a passing team because there's legit weapons i mean jarvis is a a, a nice weapon. OBJ is a nice weapon, but that's yeah. If you're looking at the names on the paper, that's yeah. kind of where I mean, philosophy wise, David that's and Joku's that you know deep uh, tight end. You know, he down the seams kind of tight end, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah. But when you watch the games, but nothing. you can you can point to this team and say that's a running team. Yeah, all Absolutely. five offensive linemen. Yeah, most of them, other than J.C. Treader, uh, Bidonio. They're all kind of subpar in pass blocking, but they're all great run blockers. Every single one of them. Um, Austin Hooper is is a good blocker. Nuyoshu he found out to be a good blocker. You can look at this team and say this is made to run, but you can't look at it and say, okay, this is what we're doing. Austin Hooper came as a receiving tight end. That would be my only thing that I can say. This is what they did to make this a passing team. And, and OBJ is just out of place. Yeah, the Austin Hooper trade uh, still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because we paid him all that money and they just don't use him. No. Like, like you, we thought they would. Yeah. You know, bringing a guy like that in on that kind of a, a contract. Well, David's making $6 million. He's, uh, Hooper's making $8 million. They're paying over uh, almost $15 million in one position mm-hmm. that has little production we really thought that tight end position was going to be more prominent in the Massive. passing game yeah harrison bryant mackie award yeah winner. Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely Steven carlson had his moments who's a good blocker yeah i mean i'm glad you brought up harrison bryant because that was a draft pick last year that we were really excited about yeah. knowing what he was able to do in college and like yeah. well, we just went out and got another great pass catching tight end and don't use him no so i got it before we get out of here i got to address one dave v in the comment section is just lighting Blow, us up blowing it up man because of this cream <laughs> hunt thing he first of all nobody's saying cream hunt isn't good and he isn't valuable no the problem is you can only play there's only one football on the field you know and you're not going to keep all three so what are you going to do are you going to let, uh, let dearness johnson go for nothing whenever Obviously, there's a drop-off between Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson. We're not saying that. We're saying that Dearness Johnson can fill the void of a backup running back. So then you use Kareem Hunt to better your team in a position. It does no good to have three stud running backs when you're only going to use one and a half to two of them. It, make, that's, it makes no sense. Two, he says Dearness Johnson has had one good game this year. We also saw him tear up last year against we got Dallas. That. We got that. Yes. When nobody is saying Dearness Johnson is cream hunt, but you have to think about it from a GM point of view. 
if you have pieces on your team and you have a ton of depth, you have to use some of that depth to strengthen other parts of the team. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an unfortunate, but it, like you said, it's a business. You got to put your GM cap on. And I mean, when you're bringing in a position to spell a guy, you know what I mean? Chubb's your guy. Yeah. Right. So, so whoever's coming in is coming in to spell him. He's not coming in to be the guy. Mm. Now, I, I and I love Kareem Hunt. Or and, replace. Right. Yeah, I mean, and then he also said if Baker had reliable weapons, he'd be top five. Come on, dude. <laughs> well, Drew Bletho was Come an on, all-star, uh, a Pro Bowl player at least three times. He got hurt, and Tom Brady went from number four to number three. And then when Drew Bletho got hurt, Tom Brady came in, and then, and then it was lights out from then on out. That could happen with Deonis Johnson. It, he got his opportunity, and what did he do with it? He produced. Right. He, he came to the forefront and said, look, you know, I can run the ball too. Look at me. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember too, like this started because you said it was your bold moves that the Browns could make. And that would be a bold move. We're not saying, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah, sure. Just, you know, willy nilly trade cream hunt. No big deal. Like that's a bold move. I mean, that takes some gajones like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to move one of our best players, you know, for, for value. But as a GM, I mean, I see what you mean. Like it's a very bold move, but it could be. And, and even if they didn't trade him for Howard, I would still put Kareem Hunt in that trade mode because he has value and he's got good value. Yes, like Dave said, Kareem is not a backup. He's a starter. Exactly. That's true. Which is why he's the one on the trade block because but you're not going to get anything for Johnson. Is he a right. starter on the Browns? No. No. Will he ever be a starter in the Browns? No. And even, Chubb's even when, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, last year when Chubb went down, for several games, Hunt didn't have lights out games. No, his his production declined. It did. Yeah, it did. And I was expecting big things. We from all him. were. Yep. Yeah. And so I, uh, I don't know. The thing is, they're just such a good one-two punch. They right, really they are. are, and they're know? different. And, yes. Mm-hmm. I know. I agree. And Hunt's a phenomenal player. He is a phenomenal pass receiver, and and he's a good. Uh, a blocker in the backfield too. But one one thing to keep in mind too is I, I believe he's twenty six years old, and I know mm-hmm. he's he's still really good. But these these running backs, we see them drop off once they hit twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah. Like it just it just falls off. So if he's got value now, and you can get a young elite shutdown cornerback or some sort of defensive piece that we could really use. I mean, come on, we could really use it. And, well, and here's the thing too is. Yes, I love Kareem Hunt, but in the universe of what's valuable to a football team, running back is towards the bottom of that list. And, and especially on our team, because I mean, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from Johnson, but I feel like you get a any kind of decent runner and put him behind that line, he's going to yeah. pick up five yards of carry. I mean, exactly. that's just what happens in this offense. Well, look at what happened with uh, Dearness Johnson. He didn't even have the starting five out there. Nope. I mean, he was running behind Blake Hans. Yeah, you know, which was opening holes. Yeah, and, and like I said, too, on the show, I mean, Johnson was getting a lot of yards, too, you know, after contact on his right. own, which was, was awesome. So He was dragging players. Yeah. Yeah. So. Any more we want to go through here? No, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I could say you're an argue with Dave all day, but I'll just save that for <laughs> save you for the comments. Dave, yeah. I'm with you, brother. I'm still on board, man. All I'm, all I'm saying Baker about Green Pump is, is he's, he's got value. Now, Chubb's got value, and you could trade Chubb, too. Yeah. But they're not, and I wouldn't, and nobody would. Correct. So you can't keep three, and you can't keep – if you're just going to have a great, great running back, if you're going to trade for Emmett Smith and, and put him on the bench, why did you trade for him? If we have Durance Johnson and he's proven that he can do this, then take something that you've got tradable value for, get something that you need more, a safety, 
maybe a receiver, um, you know, a cornerback. The cornerback thing with, with Denzel Ward's injury now, like, that's worrisome because he wasn't playing as no, he well was, as we thought he could anyway. So, yeah, we could probably use that right now. So, that, and that, again, that was my move. This is you're we're thinking from the the standpoint not as fans right now. It's you have to sometimes make tough decisions to better your football team. It's not always the fan favorite just gets to stay. Right. Yeah. Like it's just not the way it works. Well, that's, that's also how you do when you predict games. You don't predict games with your heart. You predict games as if you are being forced to bet money on the game. So if you've got the Browns versus, say, uh, the Ravens, their first, uh, at, you know, at Baltimore. If you were forced to bet $1,000, who would you pick? Ravens. If you were forced to bet $10,000 or $100,000, <laughs> that's how you have okay. to predict games. And that's what you have to do with your roster here. We've got three good running backs. We're only going to play one. Well, we don't even play the fullbacks that we have uh, half the time. So why keep three? If you've got three and, and two of them have great value, one's got minimal value where you go, you go, you're forced to keep him. If you trade Dearness Johnson, what would you get for him? A seventh rounder? Yeah, maybe. But Hunt, you could get something for him. Well, if we've got problems on the defense or a need a receiver or whatever it is, yep. bring him in. That's all I'm saying. No, I agree. I agree. Um, okay, well, we've kind of been going now for a long time, so we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. PK. Root beer's almost gone. Yeah, this is uh, – got a little well, – there's a lot to get to today, though. And, you know, you don't have people from Florida up all the time, so we want to make sure yeah. we got no, through but everything. No, but do you want to let everybody know, Barry, like where they can find you, find your stuff? Uh, dogsbynature.com. We're part of uh, SB Nation. SB Nation is the third largest sports online site behind ESPN and Bleacher Report. Nice. And – and just like Bleacher Report and ESPN, if you got you're a fan of any team of any league, uh, soccer, uh, international soccer, NHL, NBA, NFL, they've got a fan site and Dogs by Nature covers the Browns. Uh, we've also got uh, Dogs by Nature at Twitter. My Twitter is at Barry underscore Shuck capital S, and um, follow. I'll follow you. Awesome. Well, hey, we want to thank Barry for being here today. It wasn't a quick drive. Uh, weather's <laughs> way worse here. So we're happy Barry could be here with us. He brought us the root beer. He brought us a ton of cool knowledge. Um, I think you guys all enjoyed it. We had a good amount of people in here the whole time. The comment section was awesome. So we appreciate the feedback. It was better with your guys' feedback. Um, happy we could do an extra episode for you guys going into the Steelers game. It's a big matchup. I think we all kind of agree almost a must win yep. to keep the uh, playoff hopes alive and keep the AFC North uh, title alive. Um, so we'll see you guys back here on Monday uh, when we get back to our normal routine. Thanks for being with us and have a good night. Go Browns. Thanks for listening to another episode of the dogs podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter at the dogs podcast and become an official dog pack member and join the dogs.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.